The following is a production of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome to the iRacers download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, I'm your host, Taylor Burris, and joining me is my partner in crime, Justin Prince, and of course, our fabulous producer, Mr. Wayne Owens. And Justin, we have a great guest with us here tonight from Space Station Racing, winner of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series from Richmond Raceway, Vicente Salas. And it was in dominating fashion to Taylor. How about this? The first person to lead every single lap of a race in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Dominated in qualifying, dominated in the race, had one of the fastest cars all night long, Made it difficult to pass in turn for him to give up said lead, but overall, it was domination station for him in that race. It certainly is. So why don't we go ahead and get him up here? This is, of course, Vicente Salas from Space Station Racing. Vicente, welcome to the iRacers Download. Yo, how's it going? We're doing all right. Well, let's talk about this win here at Richmond Raceway. Your thoughts going into that race before we saw the most dominant performance in any E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series race? Well, we definitely put in a ton of time. Um, kind of went into the race really, really trying to get you know a strong top 10, top 15 finish to just continue our roll up the point standings. And Monday night in the A opens, uh, Garrett was in top split. I was unfortunately in second split. And we were kind of slowly realizing as the race has progressed that like, oh crap, like we actually have a, a pretty good piece here. And then we kind of just spent the rest of the night after that working solely on qualifying probably six or seven hours. And that was, I think, some of the most crucial work to set us up front and in position to run as well as we did. So going into this preparation, how how many hours would you say you put in in order to get this race set up for you? Personally, I would say at least 50 hours, like everybody else. Garrett, Brendan, Dave, they probably put in the same amount of time as well. Wow, that that's, that's more than what an average person would put in for a work week, and you were able to do that. And it paid off for you tremendously, even though... Even we, when we had cautions and nobody decided to stay out for track positions in order to lead a lap, they didn't. And you were able to lead every single lap, even the overtime, which was everyone was kind of wondering, okay, overtime's happening. Is he going to be able to hold on and withstand the pressure? And you did it marv- marvelously as well. So how does that affect not just you as a driver knowing that you have a spot in the playoffs, but also your team, how has it affected them? Um, I think not only giving us a little bit of ease knowing we're in the playoffs as long as we stay in the top 20, but also giving us all the confidence that, you know, we can do it and we can compete at, at this level of sim racing. Because going into the season, you know, we, we were told by people like, oh, this is going to be difficult. You're probably not going to do very well, you know, kind of kind of some negatives. And we took that. Um, really try to turn it around. And I think this week was a perfect example of the fact that we really can do this. Now, not only are you known for now a, as a E-NASCAR competitor, but you also had a career in the iRacing Rallycross Championship. So one of the few drivers on the iRacing service to compete in multiple championship series. Tell us how you were able to 
prepare for both series because during the IRX Vicente, you were competing in the Road to Pro as well as the Pro Series during that time period. Yeah, it was it was extremely difficult to put in as much time as we wanted to, me and Garrett both, for the IRX World Championship. Um, I would say that the Road to Pro and the Pro Series um, took all of our time for the most part. You know, that was our priority. But for the amount of time that we were able to put in into the IRX series and the car that we were in, I would say that we showed some pretty solid speed and preparation. One of the main things when it comes to world championship racing is, especially for people on the outside, is it's a lot of preparation time. How is it trying to balance all that time to be able to prepare properly for world championship events, not just in the rallycross side, but as well now the eNASCAR side too. Yeah, it's it's pretty difficult because obviously you want to be as strong as possible in a race, but with how hard it is to pass now, you really have to put an emphasis on qualifying. So we've kind of been working through things and finding a balance of, okay, we found the race speed and we feel confident here let's move on to qualifying and try and build it there so it's really just kind of a balancing act you know qualifying race and just trying to make each one as strong as possible because if you have a strong race setup but no qualifying setup you're gonna have to drive through the field and that's just just insanely hard what have been some of the challenges as a result then so far in your rookie campaign for the enascar coco i racing series and trying to balance all of that out and learn as time has gone on that's now led up to this victory? I think something I've really had to take on this season is learning and being able to make my own adjustments to the car. Because at the end of the day, every single person on the team drives a little bit differently, likes a little bit of a different feel. And if I can't make those adjustments for myself, really nobody else can. So I've had to really take it upon myself and take the time to learn from the others and learn what the adjustments do to be able to make myself stronger for the races. So in regards to that, then you feel that's going to be one of the main strong points going forward then, because there are, there is that growing consensus that you need to be able to know how to build a car to be able to be at the top levels. Yes. 100% agree. And I think not only that, but I mean, before this eNASCAR season and the Road to Pro and the Pro Series, I didn't really know too much about building cars. I could change a couple things, click a few buttons, but besides that, I I didn't really know what it was actually doing to the car and the way it handled. But as this season has progressed through a few races, I've really tried to learn from everybody around me as they're, I mean, incredibly intelligent. And I think it's really, really helped us because the more ideas you have flowing through the team, the more speed is possible to find. What's it been like as well, running with Space Station Racing and their first year at this level for eNASCAR and being able to work with Will Rogers as well, having Blake Ray as a teammate, as well as the fact that there's the Road to Pro program as well that's been developing with several different drivers? I mean, it's it's been incredible. Um, the cars have been extremely fast all year. Um, I know on the Road to Pro side, those guys are, I mean, they're absolutely hauling. Colin Keister, Colin Bowden, Blake Cisneros, all those guys. So it's been really cool to see the whole program kind of progress and move its way up. What's it kind of like working with all of them then in 
to be able to keep the speed up then? Um, I think it's just really constantly trying new ideas. You know, with, with sim racing and with eNASCAR, there's constantly new ways to build, and there's always a different way to build the setup. So I think just trying things and having the ideas flowing around really, really contributes to the speed. It certainly has, and it showcased that over the last race at Richmond. But let's look ahead to what we have. We have Kansas, Circuit of the Americas, and Charlotte. And then, of course, we have Pocono and Road America. So a mix of other different styles of tracks with mile and a half, a tricky triangle, and two road courses. So your thoughts on what's ahead as we look forward to the rest of the season, as well as when we get into the playoffs, what will be your main focus between now and the playoffs? I really think just keeping the momentum going, you know, if we can all keep the momentum going, the spirits up, we will, we will keep moving forward. And as for the tracks ahead, um, I really love the mile and a half, especially Pocono as well as the super speedway. And I always look forward to road course racing as I race road courses in real life and shifter carts. It's just always been kind of like a secondhand nature racing the stock cars on the road courses on iRacing. So I couldn't be more excited for those. It certainly is, and let's touch on that a little bit. What's made you want to get in motorsports? Let's delve into that a little bit. Well, my dad used to race uh, motocross, and he's always watched you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and one day, I, think I, was, I was about three years old, um, when Tony Stewart drove for Home Depot, they had one of his show cars at um, the Home Depot that's a few minutes away from my house. And my dad drove me there because he wanted me to see it. They let me sit in it. And I mean, from that day on, it's all I've wanted to do. So uh, now I'm willing to do anything and work for anything possible to make it happen in real life. And if you think about it, looking at your stats here on the iRacing service, you know, you're a competitor in the world championship in I in NASCAR as well as, well as the iRacing Rallycross. But like you even brought out, a wide variety of other road course racing. Looking at your stats, I mean, phenomenal of what you have accomplished on the iRacing service. And it's helped translate over into what you have done currently in the world of real racing with one of the biggest karting leagues in the United States with the Scusa. So let's talk a little bit about that. What made you get into Scusa and how Scusa has helped you not only with racing in iRacing, but also vice versa? Well, I obviously have always wanted to race in real life. And about three and a half years ago, it kind of got to the point where I was thinking, hey, I want to begin racing in real life or else it will probably be too late very soon. So um, it was between legend cars and shifter carts. And just for our budget and, and the people we knew, um, shifter carts just seemed like the right way to go. So we started racing early 2018. And just kind of from there, we've learned and taken all the lessons to the national level. And now we are competing in the Scusa Pro Tour in the Pro Shifter category. Yeah, and looking at your stats, I mean, you are a multi-champion in the Pro Tour Shifter Carts. And it's phenomenal to see, having the chance to know you beforehand, seeing your talent grow, it's phenomenal. And what would be probably your ultimate goal moving forward? Well, I, I would say my ultimate goal in racing would be to definitely race in the Cup Series. You know, watching it since I was little, 
um, watching my favorite drivers win their races, win their championships. You know, I've always wanted to go and do that and feel that. And after all the effort my family has put in, my team's put in, and everybody around me has put in for me to be able to do this, I also want to do it for them because they they deserve to to feel some of that. You know, it's it's not just about me. It's it's a huge team effort, and I definitely wouldn't be here if it wasn't for everybody else. Certainly cannot agree with that. And as we look ahead, let's now go into Space Station Gaming. You know, probably one of the biggest teams to have come on board this year on the iRacing Tour with the eNASCAR series. How has Space Station helped boost the world of esports on this service with the help of the eNASCAR series? Oh, I think I think they've definitely helped a ton and they've really boosted it a ton you know with with the way they launched the car and the way um they announced me and malik as the drivers i don't think any other team has has used a real life cup car to announce it you know what i mean so it's i think it's really brought up that bar and set it at another level and i think that's going to be incredible for all of the nascar because it'll keep pushing us forward so i think they're definitely a pioneer in in a new way to come about things what was that experience like, by the way, to be able to have that opportunity in real life? Because you talked about it a little bit there. That's something that a lot of teams haven't done is find a cup car, wrap it with their special paint schemes, and do a promotional shoot like that. What was that experience like to be able to do that in person? It was absolutely incredible. And to be able to meet all the guys, you know, behind the camera, behind the screen that put in all the work for us as us at SSG to be able to do what we do. Um, it was an incredible experience. And I honestly wouldn't trade it for the world. Being able to see a cup car, you know, see the way it's built. And, you know, it was it was really, really cool. What do you mean by the way it's built? Well, seeing a cup car in person, especially a new one, you know, when when you're at a racetrack, you're at like, what, wherever the race is at, um, you you can't see the car up close. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're always blocked off. You're kind of a little far away. But when we shot this, we were up close and personal with it. So being able to kind of look inside, see how everything is structured, see how they put things together was honestly a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And I hope I get to do it again. Coming up, more with our guest, Vicente Salas. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris with Wayne Owens as your producer with Vicente Salas. Where Vicente, when it comes to space station gaming and space station racing as well, how would you describe your relationship with your teammate Malik Ray this season as, of course, it's an interesting partnership too with Ray having the different back end side of things, but also the fact that Ray has always been an interesting driver in the series to say the very least. Yeah, I think even though we come from a different technical side background, when we're on the track and we're racing together, we're kind of on the same wavelength and we each know what we're trying to do. So whenever we've been around each other, if he's faster at one point in the run or I'm faster at one point in the run, you know, we know to let each other buy and to work together because if we can work together, we can move forward. 
What have been your discussions been like with him throughout this campaign to be able to also learn from him since he's got a couple years of experience in the series, including as well several times where he's had to claw his way back in through the contender series it's now called? Yes, um, learning from Malik and learning the way things kind of roll around the Coke series has been really, really cool. Uh, Obviously, with his uh, few more years of experience, he kind of knows the lingo, you know, he knows the way people race he knows the way they respect each other and for me personally coming into the series racing in an a open or really nice split in nis you know the same respect and the same race craft doesn't really show forth in those races and the coke series the way everybody is they just i would say they're a lot more respectful and because it's at such a higher stake Everybody's willing to give a little bit more, but then again, when everybody's taking, they're taking a little bit more. So it's kind of just a really fine balance. Overall, what's been some of the advice that you've been able to take so far from your real world side of racing to the virtual side? Because it seems when you came away with that victory, there was a lot of real world driver support from people, not just from Space Station Gaming and Space Station Racing, but drivers like Ryan Vargas and several others across social media all congratulate you. What's been kind of that support, I should say, been like so far for your campaign from the real world to the virtual? It's, it's been awesome. Um, I really appreciate them and really everybody that's that's supported me. And I think one of the pieces of advice that I've taken from real world racing into eNASCAR is not to let anybody push me around. You know, I I am out there racing. I am just like everybody else and I will give you the respect that you give me and if you want to mess with that and take that away race too hard race me dirty you know I can I can play that game so I think the biggest thing is is just racing everybody the way they race me and so far this season I haven't had any problems with anybody no one's had any problems with me and it's just been a really really awesome time now, let's go a little bit into what you do outside of iRacing. You know, everybody always wonders with the drivers who we talk to, you know, what are some other hobbies or interests that you have that, you know, keep you going that you do when you want to take a break from the iRacing service? Um, I think I really like to research things. You know, I like I'm kind of into the stock market and all that jazz. I, I haven't been doing it as much as recently because I haven't had as much time. But that's that's one thing that I like doing. Um, I also like kind of cleaning stuff up, you know, after a race weekend, the go-karts are dirty, things are dirty. I like to clean them up and, and get all that stuff done. But to be honest with you, I think everything in my life really centers around racing. It's all I've ever done. It's really all I've ever wanted to do. Well, it certainly is. But I think that's the first time, Justin, we've had someone who's interested in stock markets. We've had meteorologists from Keegan and, of course, a couple of other people with some other hobbies. But this is the first time I think someone's delving market interest as well. Yeah, very interesting. And you said you haven't done it too often lately. But what's been, if you don't mind asking, your success on that side of things in learning the stock market? Um, I'd say it's been pretty good. I've made a solid few dollars, you know, and... um really something that i get out of it that i don't think i could get any other way is 
is learning how businesses work, you know, learning how they're valued, learning how they lose value. And with that, as I try and, and get sponsors for real life racing, I can also gauge what companies want out of an ambassador, you know, so it's kind of priceless information that I can't get just by researching a company, you know, I research them and get in-depth knowledge as to how they're valued. So it's been, it's been pretty fun. That's the first time I've heard something like that where to value which sponsors to approach, you look at the stock totals. That's actually very smart to hear that. And curious on your take is this as well. There's also the rise of crypto stocks. What's kind of your take on that as well? And have you dabbled in that as well in your um, journey through stocks? I've, I've made a little bit of money in the crypto stock market. Um, I think the crypto stock market is a lot less based off of graphs and a lot more based off of hype, you know? So you have to keep up with what the people are saying and they're like, oh, this crypto's going here, this crypto's going down, you know? So it's really, it's not even really keeping an eye necessarily on the graph, it's keeping an eye on what's going on on social media, which is kind of funny. In your opinion, do you see more drivers approaching the stock market for an approach like that for the future for the racing careers to approach that that way in your opinion why or why not or should um, drivers go that route in your opinion i could i could see them doing it and i think it's really just a personal thing as well you know for me it's a hobby but i also get to learn about companies and maybe um other kids and other people will find other ways to learn about those said companies but for me it's just it's provided a very nice gateway to not only gain a little bit of like monetary fund, but to also just learn about what I like in a company and how I can approach a company and which companies to approach. It certainly is interesting on that matter, but let's take a little bit further look on the I back to the iRacing side of things now. You've been on the service since 2017. How have you seen the changes and growth of esports in a whole over these past three years that you've been on the service? How has it affected and changed the people's view on it? Well, for me, first getting on in 2017, I, I don't feel like I raced too much in 2017, and I really didn't start racing consistently and testing a lot till late in 2019. And my first competitive year was 2020 last year beginning in road to pro but um from when i first got on to now i think the community has grown so much in such a good way you know so many amazing people have joined the service and i've met so many incredible people that i mean i can't imagine my life without so it's it's been really cool what do you think the future holds for iRacing and pretty much esports as well now that it's grown so much i think that the uh the sky's the limit you know when we talk about a real life cup series ride you're talking about engineers you're talking about cars you're talking about incredible amounts of money but when we speak about a sim rig and the coca-cola series it's it's a wheel it's a chair, it's some pedals, and if you have the time and you have the passion and you want to make it in, you can do it, you know? So I think it opens up the door for so many people to make their dreams come true and race in an officially sanctioned NASCAR series. 
Let's talk about that briefly. You know, we just saw this past weekend at Martinsville, Josh Berry, who was a former competitor here in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, get his first win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Martinsville. And then, of course, you have William Byron, who started up here on the iRacing service before transferring into now the Cup Series. Do you feel like maybe in the future we could see a driver who's currently running in the E-NASCAR Series, this current crop of drivers be able to make it to through the late models, through the, you know, um, trucks, Xfinity, and work their way up into Cup to be a future champion. I strongly believe that that could definitely happen. Um, as long as that person puts in the work, you know, and wants to do it. I mean, I would, I would love to do it. I want to do it. I am putting in my 110% all into making it happen. And um, I think iRacing and the way it breeds drivers is just such a fantastic tool. You know, there is no other sim or no other driving experience that you can have sitting in your room that's as close to real life as it is. So it's, it is a fantastic tool. Well, Vicente, as we're starting to come to a close for this interview, where can people go to follow your career, not just in the iRacing world, but also your professional career with Scusa to keep track and see how you go throughout the rest of the 2021 season? Well, I am constantly posting on Twitter. I believe my Twitter handle is Vicente underscore Salas 14. Um, my Instagram is Vicente.Salas.14 underscore. And also... When I get my camera fixed, I will be streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Vicente Salas 14. So I try and kind of keep content flowing through my social medias and keep people updated as to what's going on. How has the social media community been for you with since you've been streaming? Uh, it's It's been a blast. You know, the way people interact and chat and the way I can race and just have casual conversations with people. It's been really fun to learn. It certainly has. I've actually caught a couple of the streams that you've been able to do, and it's phenomenal of how you're able to still focus on racing and competing well, but also having a good time. And I think that's what a lot of streamers need to make sure that they try and do, especially if they are competing on iRacing, is to have fun, but also interact with their viewers, because that's the biggest thing, and you do a phenomenal job with that. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's been really fun. Of course. Well, Vicente, you look ahead to the next round at Kansas in a couple of weeks. Your thoughts on there before we let you go? Um, coincidentally, I was just working on it, and uh, I, think, I think it'll be pretty good. I'm looking forward to it. I think the racing will be really solid after the, the new track update, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Of course, Will Vicente, thank you very much for coming on this week's episode of the iRacers Download. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Vicente Salas from Space Station Racing, winner of the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series from Richmond Raceway. Coming up, news of the week and events. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media. We just got done with Vicente Salas talking with him about his win, as well as some other interesting facts. A great conversation with him, Justin, but let's look into the race that we just were talking about. Richmond Raceway for this series, and I gotta say, very interesting of what pertained to this race. 
Track position was keen, first of all. Majority of the drivers who finished in the top 10 started in the top half of the field. Vicente Sal is coming away with the checker flag lean. Every single lap has talked about 203 of 203 laps. That is also a lead laps record in series history. Garrett Maines finished in second after starting second. Ryan Luza had good speed, started fifth and finished in third. Isaac Gann and Bobby Zelensky rounded out the top five with Logan Clampett, Keegan Leahy, Stephen Wilson, Nick Oninger, Matt Busa rounding out the top ten. Of note, Gann, Leahy, and Wilson all started just outside the top ten. Wilson, the deepest of those drivers, car 17 in 17th. It just seemed like a consistent point, even with the fact that there were seven caution flags setting up seven restarts, essentially, that drivers, well... Struggled to make passes at Richmond, and that's just the nature of the racetrack, Taylor. It certainly is. Even with, though, that extra groove that the drivers were trying to utilize, especially on those restarts, they could not really seem to get that outside line working. Of course, Richmond is well known for being a more of a bottom one-lane groove, but you saw some drivers trying to utilize the outside lane at some points during the race. And the funny thing is about that, I've... I heard over with drivers as that race went on, when they tried it, it ended up burning up their tires too, Taylor. That's the tough part because you go up there for a couple laps, it ends up overheating your tires, and in turn, you start dropping off. And Garrett Mains had actually adjusted for turn off as well and talked about post-race with Evan Pasoko and Tim Terry that he felt like he adjusted some of the speed out of the car by trying to adjust for that. So it was just... A difficult race overall to try and set up a pass for. But you have to give credit to Vicente Salas once more. Dominating qualifying performance, dominating race pace. It's not easy to hold on to every single lap, even at a track like Richmond. It takes a lot of skill to hold on to it. It takes a lot of speed to be able to maintain that on the long run as well. And he had a ton of that long run speed. Interesting things would have been to see how things would have fared out for, say, Drivers like Gann or drivers like Leahy or drivers even like Graham Bowen, who started 32nd and made the 14th if they qualified well. It certainly is, but unfortunately for some of those drivers, they are going to have to try at the next round, of course. April 27th, we head to the Midwest of Kansas Speedway, and the last time we were there, defending champion Nick Ottinger took home the checkered flag there, so... But the difference is this time, different grooves. A lot of drivers are going to be utilizing some different areas of the track compared to the last time we went to Kansas, as we should remember uh, with the recent updates of how different multi-grooves are going to affect it. And plus, with how the package is, Justin, a lot of drivers are going to be utilizing right up against the top side of the racetrack. It's going to be an intriguing race as a result, I think, because most of the field in the past, with the old tire models too, utilize the top of the racetrack. The only driver who didn't usually tailor, though, Keegan Leahy. Guess who was dominant during that circumstance when most of the drivers were on the top and he was on the bottom? Keegan Leahy on the long run. So I think it's the type of race where it might actually benefit Keegan Leahy's driving style if he can make it work similar to what he did in the past to utilize the bottom while the others utilize the top to be able to pass by cars. Because if it ends up being where majority of the field's on the top tailor, that can cause some difficulties for obvious reasons to pass. So you have to be able to not just run, I think, the top. You need to be able to also be able to run the bottom to be able to make passes and slide job other cars. 
It certainly is going to be interesting to see who can come out on top. Of course, catch all the coverage on April 27th. Countdown to Green at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the race going live on all of NASCAR and iRacing social media channels at 9 p.m. Well, we're going to go from... Oval Racing to Sports Car Road Course Racing, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup kicked off its penultimate round at Circuit de la Sarf at Le Mans. And of course, it's no surprise of what has happened at that racetrack, Justin, as we know the one, the only, Joshua Rogers puts on another dominant performance at Le Mans. Coming away with the checkered flag, in fact, in the heat race slash sprint to start things off the round over Sebastian Job, Charlie Collins, Dane Warren, Jamie Fluke was the top five. Mitchell Dijon along in sixth spot. Boodaloo, Pinto, Osgard, and Campbell were the top ten in the sprint. But the feature race was very pivotal in turn for the championship because Rogers got the double race victory by getting the feature as well over Tommy Osgard, Zach Campbell, Reno, Sarika, Kevin Ellis Jr. was the top five, followed by Martin Kronke, David Williams, Budaloop, Warren, Jeff Giassi were the top ten. And the key point as well to think about is that set up a massive points buffer for Rogers. Essentially, he can celebrate because it's been a dominating season. As long as he doesn't make any major, major, major mistakes, I think at this point it's his championship. It certainly is his championship to lose. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he can come up. I don't see any way he could lose this championship by going to Monza. Mm-hmm. It's it would be imp- it would have to take him losing power at his house for him to lose this championship and even still maybe even more. He essentially has a gigantic buffer to say the very least right now of more than 100 plus points, which is more than enough to secure the championship. It's just a matter of how is he going to close it out to Taylor is going to be very pivotal because it's important to keep momentum up and you always want to be able to win as much as possible. It's the matter of how does Rogers now approach the final round, knowing that all he needs to do is essentially start and it's his championship with 600 total points on the season and four victories in feature races. It's been believably dominating season, especially on the big tracks, Taylor. He's had the pace. He's had the consistency. He's had the luck. Now, it's just a matter of getting the chance to get the hardware and the top prize. It certainly is. And of course, we will see him collect that top prize and victory at the next round when we head to Italy, to Monza, the Temple of Speed, as I would call it, on April 24th. You can catch the action starting at 2 p.m. when the All-Stars kick off their first races and then continuing at 3 p.m. when the big names in the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup come to a close for their series finale. And it's going to be very interesting to see how drivers can maintain the speed as well as the handling of their cars at Monza, Justin. I'm interested more so in which teams end up rising to the occasion to close out the season with a bang as well. Because Mitchell Dijon, for example, we've talked about, also a driver in the NASCAR Coco I Racing Series. He's had some good speed throughout the season. He might be someone that can take home the checker flag to secure one last feature victory. Sebastian Job has a lot to prove after his engine failure a couple rounds ago. Kevin Ellis Jr. has got a lot to prove. 
And don't forget about some of the other drivers like Warren, Collins, Oscar, who have shown some good speed. It's not going to be like the past couple rounds, per se, obviously race-wise. But I think it's going to be one where if you've been consistent, you're likely starting up at the front and being able to pull away. So it's going to be the type of race as well at the same time where which drivers join the front fray to be able to try and pull away? It's going to be the question we're going to have to find out, of course, once again in April next week. Yeah, one of these drivers head to Monza, Justin. But after looking at those two of series now, which are the two main championships that we have going on here is currently in this 2021 season. We want to touch back on what we talked with Vicente about, about the question, can we see a iRacing Series competitor, not just in NASCAR, but I'm talking also in all the World Championship Series that we have on the iRacing service, could they possibly one day work their way up through the rankings and be able to get a chance to win a championship in their respective discipline? Your, let's start with you first. What are your thoughts on that? That's an interesting question because it really depends, one, on the discipline, and two, the age of the driver, really, to be able to get the seat time for the ladder system that's essentially formed up to be able to move through the ranks, rather. Because, for one, if you're, say, towards 18, 19, 20, 21, it's going to be a bit more difficult even then because a lot of the drivers these days making their way directly to the railroad racing start at about age five. So that's going to be the tough part for one. But the two is it depends really on the discipline. On the oval side, I think it's going to be very difficult because that's just in part where the system comes into play and it takes a different skill set in some cases to run on the sim side compared to the rear world side and how you attack the tracks, how you feel the bumps, how you set up your car, how you give feedback, how the tires feel. A lot can be different from the rear world to the virtual and the virtual to the rear world. So there's all those challenges. But on the road course side, Taylor, I think there's definitely a chance because especially with the organizations, especially with the drivers from the Porsche Takeover Esports Super Cup and how a lot of them are getting that experience and getting opportunities to try to race in the real world with the world's fastest gamer and getting opportunities with Red Bull Racing Esports, for example, for Sebastian Joe with the simulator time to be able to compare those times to the simulators for the real world. I think there's the opportunities more so for the road course side, Taylor, these days than the oval side, honestly. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate on that. You know, Josh Berry, he's 30 years old. He started off really racing against Dale Jr. at the point when they met, and he had started off was at a young age, but then worked his way into the late model program. He didn't really run any truck series at that point in time, but he didn't make starts in ARCA, but is able to work his way into Xfinity where he was able to work his way and get some decent runs. And then finally, just recently, get at win. So I agree with you on that point that someone who has to be younger probably than the age of 30 to have a shot to do that. But I still think that there is a small possibility, given the right circumstances, that someone who maybe is 17 to 20 years old can still have that shot. Because, yes, I agree with you. People, racers nowadays are getting younger and younger, getting into the sport of NASCAR than ever before. You know, 
remember back when the early 80s and 90s, it wasn't until someone was in their 30s to late 30s before entering the Cup Series. So it's interesting to see what could happen, but we see the talent is there in all the iRacing World Championships. That I agree with. The talent is there. It's just a matter of building the connections, though, too. And that's why I think where what you say comes into play and may start to really come into play compared to the early days of sim racing in the 2000s with Josh Berry and his connection with Dale Jr. or through the sim racing ranks is now, especially with many real-world drivers having esports organizations, it's a way to connect with those drivers for the virtual world. And they race on the sim as well in a lot of frequency. In fact, there were some drivers who compete in the real world who are racing in the road to pro competitions right now trying to qualify for the pro series on iRacing. So I think there's a lot to be said on that. It's the matter, though, of it takes time for the results to be seen, Taylor. It's not going to be something where you immediately have someone from the Coke series go directly to the NASCAR Xfinity series. It's going to be something that takes time to build up those opportunities as the years go on. And it depends on a driver-to-driver basis. That I agree with you 100% on it. It's nothing that's going to happen overnight, but it is something interesting to see. And what we've already have kind of seen with drivers like Josh Berry, Ty Majeski, as well as William Byron, who have made their ways in some point or another steps into it. But with that, it is time that we have come to a close. So, for Vicente Salas from Space Station Gaming, for our wonderful producer, Wayne Owens, he is Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on Speed Sports Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.